Good evening. Uh, like I said, I'm Pastor Ralph, and this is Refresh Bible Study. And last week, we started talking about the heart-mouth connection or the mouth-heart connection. And, you know, the basis for our scripture was that it's Luke 6 and 45. The basis says from the, uh, the mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart or the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And so last week, we began to get into that. And then this week, we're going to pick up on that. Uh, however, before we get started, let us pray, uh, and then we'll get rolling. All right. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you that as we dive into your word, that you will open our eyes and our ears to hear and to understand what you'll have us to see and, uh, and do, Father. We thank you that the word will be planted into our hearts and our hearts will be good ground, that we will take the word, meditate it on it, see ourselves, and that we'll bring forth fruit for the kingdom. We declare that after having heard this word, God will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's get rolling. <clears throat> Excuse me. Praise God. Uh We'll pick up exactly uh, where we start, left off last week. All right. So uh, if you didn't get last week, I'll apologize to you. Quick int introduction. We went over uh, the mouth-heart connection. We talked about Mark 11 and 22. We talked about the four reasons scriptures needed to believe. Uh, we talked about how everything that we say comes from a place within our heart. And it's not just things that we say that really causes us to see things. It's what we're believing in our heart that brings forth manifestation. So if I really want to, if I'm not seeing the things that I desire to see, I not only have to check my words, but mainly I have to check my heart because from my heart flows all the issues of life. From my heart flows everything that matters in the and when it comes to manifestation. And so we talked about uh, having faith in God's word is needed. Speaking God's word is needed. But if you speak to the mountain and you doubt in your heart, if you speak to the mountain and you don't receive that it's, it's already done, then you still won't see it. So words alone don't produce results, right? We also must believe and we must receive when we pray. Uh, and so we talked about that. And this week, I want to pick up just refresh know the fact why words are important. In the beginning, when God created the earth, he used words to create the earth. He observed something with his eyes. He saw something that needed to be changed. He opened his mouth and he proclaimed it. And then it was. And then we know that God made us in his image and his likeness. He gave us the same creative ability that he had so that we could begin to change things. One example of that is when God brought dirt to Adam, the dirt was dirt. It was without form. It was void. And then Adam began to name it and call it. As Adam named things and called things, they became the very essence of what Adam called it. So God brings Adam a pile of dirt and Adam says that's a bird and it flies away. Why? Because Adam in his ability given to him by God was the uh, ability to create something from nothing. That's why you don't got a trip when your bank account looks funny or your body's doing something different and all of that. You don't got a trip because you have the creative power through words to change your reality. And, and I think it was Pastor Sean or Pastor Edwin that we renegotiate re re our lives with our words. But the thing is, the words that you're saying are coming from the overflow of your heart. And if your heart isn't right, your words won't be right. That's why a lot of times you find yourself saying stuff that don't line up with the Bible. Yeah, you read the Bible, but the Bible ain't in your heart. Yeah, you spend time around the word, but the word isn't in your heart. So what comes out in pressure situations 
isn't what you have been studying per se or being around it is what you have believed to be true to the point that you will not waver from that belief and that's what comes out in pressure and so a lot of times that's not the word because you have believed poverty all your life because you've experienced poverty all your life therefore when things come and it doesn't look like what you thought it should There we go. Uh, so anyway, that's why you've done that. And so, but you have a say that's type to say, I have creative ability. I have creative ability. Uh, let me look at my chat real quick. All right, cool. It says it's back. So I have creative ability. Um, studio, y'all let me know. I'm not saying, okay, cool. It's, it's, I'll see it now. All right. So anyway, uh, if you think about it, everything that God set up, he set it up for you to achieve it through, uh, through your words. Think about salvation. If you think about salvation, how is salvation achieved through words, through your confession, by your confession, you were made whole by your confession, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. That's how you earn. That's how you receive salvation. And so the same way I see receive salvation through my words is the same way I'm going to receive everything else in my life. But it's not just seeing with my mouth. It's also believing in my heart. And Luke 6 and 45, it says a good man brings good things out of good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in heart, his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Controlling our words have, has nothing to do with controlling our tongue. Controlling your words has nothing to do with controlling your tongue. In fact, you're actually incapable of controlling your tongue. So, so many of us may say things like, man, I got to fix the way I say this. Or I need to quit saying this. Or that's wrong. And you try to stop the words. But stopping the words isn't how you stop the words. You just can't focus on your speech without focusing on something else uh, because you're incapable of taming the tongue. James 3 and 8 tells us, but no human being, being, no human being can tame the tongue. Why? Because it is a restless evil. All right. It's a re restless evil. Let me pull it up for you. Uh, full of deadly poison. So here's the thing. Trying to tame your tongue cannot be done by trying to tame your tongue, right? Taming your tongue is done through taming your heart. So if I don't guard my heart, then my words will never change. And so what the enemy has done, though, he has got us caught up to try to focus on fixing something with the wrong tools and the wrong method, all right? What do you mean by that, Ralph? Let's consider this. After Jesus had fasted, uh, the enemy tempted him, right? So Jesus out there, he had just got baptized. The dove descended on him. He goes out into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. When he comes back, the enemy tempts him. He, he uh, The enemy knew that Jesus was in a desperate place. He was hungry. Man, 40 days of some of those, they went four hours or four or, or without food. And here Jesus go 40 days. Uh, and so he offered Jesus 
authority, dominion, and power. But guess what Jesus already had? He already had authority, dominion, and power. So, so many times the enemy is only offering you and I a replica of what Jesus already told us that we can have. See, you out there chasing boo, because and boo looks is just a replica and you want it. God wants you to have a good relationship, but he wants you to have it his way. But an enemy will offer you a replica. It'll look the same, right? It'll look similar. It'll be counterfeit. And if you're not cautious, you'll begin to take advantage. You'll begin to participate in something that's counterfeit because it looks like the thing that you already desire. And then that's how the enemy gets us off. That's what he did with Jesus. He said, hey, Jesus, look, if you use your words to say this, all of this will be yours. Uh, he told Jesus, hey, if you pledge allegiance to me, if you worship me, I'll do this for you. And then the third thing he told Jesus, hey, if you say that, if you cast, I mean, jump off this mountain, and then you, the Bible says that the uh, unless you dash your foot against a stone, the angels will keep you and protect you. He tried to get Jesus to misuse the scripture. So what the enemy is trying to get us to do is to use our words in a wrong way. He's trying to get us to pledge allegiance to him other than pledging allegiance to God. He is trying to get us to use scripture to defend points in our lives that God never meant to do that. We're we're taking scripture for use to protect us or to make us feel good about the wrong that we're doing. And so all of those were ways that the enemy tried to deceive Jesus after he fasted. But uh, and he comes after us the same way. But for many of us, we got to understand the attack of the enemy. It's the same thing over and over again. We already have everything that God saw fit for us to have. I already got all the provision. I already got all the health. I already got all the healing. I got already got all the peace of mind. There is no lack in my life. And if I understand that, then I understand that I can believe and trust God. The only reason you say something opposite of what God told you you could have is because you really don't trust God. Your words are an indication of your most dominant thoughts. So when I'm able to ask myself, Rap, do you really believe that you're healed? Rap, do you really believe that your marriage is whole? Rap, do you really believe that you have a house? Rap, do you really believe that you're out of debt? All I got to do is check what I'm saying. And by my words, it'll indicate what I really believe in those pressure situations. So <clears throat> uh, the enemy has deceived us. He has duped us into thinking that, oh man, if you just confess this, then you'll be okay. If you just say this, then all this will work out. But that's not the truth. You not only have to say it, you have to believe it, then you have to receive it, uh, that it's yours. And if you don't do that, guys, that's where we're really messing up because there is a connection between what we say with our mouth and what we believe in our heart. Uh, our mouth has made it appear that we're in a condition that we're not. So take a take the fig tree, for example. We all know the story of the fig tree found in Luke 4. And Jesus is walking and he goes up and there's leaves on a fig tree. And he goes up to the fig tree to get figs off of it because he's hungry. He wants something to eat. But when he goes to get the figs off the fig tree, there's no figs. And, and, and he says that he curses a fig tree and it dies. And we know that and when it withered up, it withered up from the root up, right? We all know that story. But and you're like, well, why did God curse the fig tree? Because anytime a fig has leaves, the leaves are indication that there should be fruit on it. 
And for so many believers, we have duped our own selves into believing that, that our words have produced something. For a lot of us, we are going to church. We are going to Bible study. We're going to prayer. We are praying these prayers, but we're not believing the words that come out of our mouth. And we are just like that fig tree. We are saying all the right things, and that looks like leaves, but there are no fruit. And, and we have to begin to be like Jesus did. We have to look at the source of that thing and understand that I'm cursing that. I curse that. That is not what God wants me to have. I don't want to be a fig tree that that only bears leaves with no fruit and for so many believers that's the life we've been christians all our life but we don't have any fruit of the spirit we don't exhibit patience kindness meekness love of any of that we don't forgive our neighbor we're not experiencing healing we're not experiencing miracles we're not we're not wise in all our ways we don't deal with people the way christ desires for us to deal with them why because at the end of the day we just talk a lot we got a bunch of leaves but there's no fruit and that's what our words do for us if you're not cautious you'll be saying scriptures you'll be saying affirmations you'll be saying things but because you don't believe them in your heart there is no fruit and like the fig tree we will appear one way but we will not produce fruit and so what we have to do is the same thing jesus did which is we have to speak to it to the root of the system which is our heart as human beings our heart is the root so if i want to produce fruit i have to deal with the root which is my heart and so what how do i do that i have to guard my heart right and I'm going to teach you how to guard your heart. But before we get that, let's go, let's define what that word heart means. Because when we're talking about a heart, we're not talking about the thing that has the four chambers in it, right? We're talking about that, but that's not the essence of what we're really talking about. Your heart is defined as one's thoughts life, your thought life, your emotions, those things that motivate you and mold you. The heart has the ability, and we have to understand that our heart is what's molding our thinking. It is the place where our emotions and all of those things are housed. So uh, if you remember scripture, God tells us to love God with what? All of our heart, right? He wants us to love us with all our heart so that we may give him everything, all right? But when we're talking about our heart and an impact on how it uh, impacts our words, we got to understand that there's many different aspects to our heart. Our heart is at the essence of the being of who we are. And that's what God is looking at, right? In 1 Samuel 16 and 7, he tells Samuel, don't consider the appearance or his height, for I rejected him. He says, I look at the heart. So you that's how God knows the prayer that you pray is real or not. He's not listening to the words you're saying. He's looking at your heart. You mad at God because you ain't got boo or you ain't got the money or you ain't got the healing or you ain't got the house. God hears your words, but he also sees your heart. And he judges you based off of your heart. And because your heart condition isn't right, the connection to your words doesn't take place. Therefore, there is no manifestation. Because there will be no manifestation unless the words you say are the same as the words you believe in your heart. That's the connection that must make take place. But also, that's why we see things in our lives that we don't want to see. Because when I say, man, I'm so am sick and you believe in your heart. I'm so am sick. And then you receive sickness. Why? Because you said something out of you confess with your mouth and you believed in your heart. So the same way I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I am saved. 
when I confess in my mouth and believe in my heart that I'm broke, I am broke even though I don't have to be. When I confess in my, with my mouth and I believe in my heart that uh, that I'm depressed, then I am. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, they wearing me out. These kids getting on my nerves, right? All of those little things, right, that we say that may be okay in the earth are not okay for believers. Why? Because you are a creative being. Every word that comes from your mouth that is connected to a belief in your heart will manifest itself. And so what we have to be weird, what we have to be aware of is the words that come of our, out of our mouth that we believe. Right? In Matthew uh, 12 verses 33-34, it pretty much tells us that the heart exposes the belief. The heart is exposed by your mouth. I love it. The heart, my heart is exposed by my mouth. My heart is exposed by my mouth. So my mouth will tell me what I believe the most. That's why when you go to the car dealership, God told you you can go to have a new car this year. He told you to go look for one. You go look. Ooh, I love this car. You look at the sick price. God, I don't know how we're going to do that. Why? Because in your heart, that's what you believe. Your mouth is exposing your heart. And you don't got to beat yourself up over it. All you got to do is allow God to create in you a new heart, to write into to write onto your heart what he told you you can have. You got to undo all of that thinking that you have uh, accumulated over the years of lack, right? Poverty is something that a lot of people have experienced. Therefore, it's one of those things that they got to dig up out of. For some people, abuse is something that they've experienced. So they have issues trusting people. For other people, uh, their families have uh, never had successful marriages. And so in, when they enter in a relationship, they're, they're in the back of their mind, they're hoping that they don't end up in divorce like their mom and their dad or their grandma and their grandpa. Why? Because that's what they've experienced in life. And all of those experiences have impacted your heart. And what we got to understand is that our heart has a memory. And if we don't allow God to create in us a clean heart, then all of those memories our heart will begin to meditate on and those things will begin to come out of our mouth. And we may not even realize that even from a childhood perspective, I am now living a life based off things that I've experienced that are dwelling in my heart and are now coming out of my mouth that I believe. All right. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Matthew 12, 33 and 34 said this. It said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So we got to make sure that we are listening to the words that we are saying. All right. Here's another thing. The mouth confesses what the heart trusts, right? Romans 10 and 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Your mouth is making a declaration of the thing that your heart trusts. That's why you can't bring yourself to say millions for the kingdom and millions for me. Because your heart doesn't believe that. Or even while you're saying it, you're like, ooh. Like you, why? Because we got to get to the point that we meditate on the word enough that it changes 
the, the, the construct of our hearts. We change the memory of our hearts and we replace all those poverty memories with memories based off what God said that we could have. All right. The longer you've probably been in poverty, the more time you may have to spend in the word about how God wants you prosperous. The more you've seen sickness in your life, the more you may have to spend time in the word about healing and how it belongs to you. The more people have suffered from depression and lack of, of mental faculties in your life, the more time you may have to spend in those in the word in those areas to dig up that thinking that's been dwelled, that has been buried within your heart so that your mouth will say something and then the connection will take place. So God, I thank you that I have peace in my mind. And then I dwell on the word of God enough to, in my heart, I believe it. And then when my mouth speaks and it's connected to a belief that's dead in my heart, then I now believe it and I receive what God has said. So uh, we have to understand that our heart reasons and it has feelings and that depends on a moral condition. So we have to understand that our heart in itself, if we don't guard it and take care of it, then our heart is evil. And if our heart is evil, our words will be evil. For example, let's look at Matthew 7 and 21. It says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, etc. It goes on, on and on. So as I, if I don't take the time to allow the word of God to create in me a clean heart, if I don't receive a heart the, a heart from God that's pliable by faith, then my natural heart, the heart that's unsaved or the heart that may be saved but doesn't spend time meditating in the word, that heart is always going to produce evil. So the only way I don't produce evil is I'll spend time in the word because naturally your heart is going to produce evil. Naturally, your heart is going to be deceitful. Jeremiah 7 and 10. 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And then in Proverbs 22 and 15, it says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Folly. And what I'll tell you is this, uh, and, but the rod of discipline would drive it far away. Correction, discipline. Some of us don't want to be corrected. Some of us don't want to be disciplined. That's why the enemy gets you not to surrender and submit to anybody, because if he can get you not to submit, if he can get you not to, to humble yourself to the man or woman of God that he have called you to, to, to accept correction, then he can keep you foolish. And if he can keep you foolish in your heart, then all your words are going to be foolish. The things that you're going to believe are going to be foolish. The promises that God told you you can have are going to be foolish. All because you don't take the time out to allow people to give you discipline and correction. And so we just think about the order of the church being this thing that's just like, oh, whatever. God is trying to grow people up. Why? Because if you stay having a heart of a child, you're going to stay foolish. That's why you can be wise in a lot of, I mean, you can be wise in the world, but you're foolish in the spirit. Why? Because you've never had anybody that you accept a correction from. So the things that you think to be true, the things that you think to be wise, the things that you think to be accurate are all misguided falsehoods because you've never allowed yourself to be corrected. And because you haven't allowed yourself to be corrected, your words are foolish and that foolish, and that's why you see in your life what you see. <clears throat> so, as you can see, our heart by itself has to be renewed. 
our heart has to be uh, created new. And so what God told us in Jeremiah 31 and 33 is this. He said, hey, Ralph, this is a covenant I'm making with you, with the people of Israel. He said, I'll put my law in their minds and I will write it where? On their hearts. I'll be their God. So the Lord says, look, I know what the natural heart will do ever since Adam sinned. I know that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to write my my will, my law in your hearts. In Ezekiel 36 and 26, it says, I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'm going to remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of what? Flesh. I mean, when I prayed, I said, "Make Lord, make sure our hearts are what? Pliable. Because in the natural, our hearts are stony. It rejects the word of God. And so unless I open myself to receive God's new heart and that new spirit, I'll always reject the word. And then rejecting the word means that I'm also going to, with my mouth, not be able to say what he has said and believe it. Acts 15 and 9 says it this way. It says, and he did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts, how? By faith. So my heart being purified is something I got to choose to believe to have done by faith. And so, God, I thank you that you've created me a clean heart. I thank you that you've written the law of your word in my mind and in my heart. I receive today, God, that purified heart that you told me that I can have in Ephesians 3 and 17. Lord, I receive. It says that, 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 that Christ may dwell in my heart's house through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in what? Love. So I received a renewed heart by faith. That's why I don't have, I don't, I don't be messed up. They're like, well, Ralph, I remember when you did X or you did Y or you did Z. I received a new heart by faith. So I thank you, Lord. That's how I operate. And then my new heart that I received by faith with this heart, I also choose to receive every promise that God promised my father Abraham. So I thank you, Lord, that with my new heart, I now believe that you have given me salvation. So I declare that in the name of Jesus, if I die today, when I die, because I will not die a premature death, I will spend eternity with the Father in heaven. I believe that, right? By faith. By faith, I also believe that because Christ came into this earth and he became poverty so that I may not have to experience poverty. So I thank you, Lord, that I live a life of abundance and provision, that I have no lack, that I don't have to do that because you did that on my behalf. So because that's what's in my heart and I believe that, then what comes out of my mouth are words in agreement to what my heart has said. And because there is a connection with my words and what I believe, I then receive that thing. And so that's why it's important that we believe by faith for God to create in us a new heart and we surrender our stony hearts. We surrender our lives of poverty. We surrender our lives of sickness. We surrender our lives of doubt and unbelief. We surrender our lives of foolishness. We surrender all of those things so that we may receive the spirit of God to dwell in us so that our words may reflect what God has for us to say. But when we don't do that, right, when we don't do that, our heart continues to think for itself. Uh, Matthew 9 and 4 says this, and I know I'm giving y'all a lot of scripture, uh, and it's simply because I want you to be able to go look for this, look at this for yourself. The heart thinks, guys, uh, 
that's why God said, I gotta clear, I gotta create in them a clean, a good heart. I gotta, I gotta give them a way to receive a heart by faith. It says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus says, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? He was talking, he was talking to the people, and, and they didn't even say anything out loud. And, and Jesus said, Why y'all entertaining these evil thoughts in your hearts? And see, that's why it's so important, right? To open your mouth and say what the word has said. Because I know some of you like, well, I don't say bad things, right? I'm not saying that, Pastor Ralph. That's not what I'm doing. But you ain't saying anything. But in your heart, there is doubt. In your heart, there's unbelief. In your heart, there's there's strife. In your heart, there is uh, folly. In your heart. And God says, why do you entertain these evil thoughts where? In your hearts. So it's not just okay not to say something. Being silent doesn't excuse you from experiencing the things that you believed in your heart. Why? Because God still sees those. But you got to understand that when you press, they're going to come out. So in your heart, you've already uh, divorced the person. You've already threw them away. You've already done whatever. In your heart, you've already died from the illness that the doctor has told you. You don't, in your heart, you don't know how you're going to make it. You didn't say it out your mouth, but you believe it in your heart. And so what you got to do is begin to get in the word so that God can create in you what? A new heart. Now, it's not that you're going to physically get a new heart unless you need one because heaven does have hearts. He, he will give you a new heart if you physically need a new heart. But what I am saying is that the things that you entertain in your heart, they do matter and God does see them. And, and, and what we got to understand, not only does God see them, those evil thoughts you're entertaining in your heart, they're producing images in your mind. And we already taught a lesson of creativity. When you begin to create those images in your mind, then those are going to be the things that you begin to see and produce in your life. All right. Uh, another scripture talks about how the heart thinks. Matthew 2 and 8, it says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking where? In their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? That's why sometimes God will say something. I'm not sure about y'all. I'm just going to talk about me. I will be somewhere and God would just say something to me. And I'll just be like, what are you talking about? Like, I wasn't even thinking about that, God. And, and, and then I, later on that evening, I'll begin to meditate on something or later. And I'm like, okay, God, you're right. That really is something I have an issue with. Why? Because it's not always something that I've said out loud. It's something that God has seen in your heart. And a lot of times God has given you words based off your heart, even though you may not have seen it with your, uh, said it with your words. Why? Because God has the ability to see the fullness of who we are. And when we don't chase, that's why God sometimes tells us, hey, get rid of that friend. It's not that they bad friends. They just not a good friend for you. He's already seen your heart and he knows where this person will lead you based off your heart. Or he tells you, don't take this job or don't move to this location. God sees your heart. He knows the things that's in your heart. And sometimes we don't trust God. And when we don't trust God, the Bible says that man is drawn away by the lust, <coughs> by, by his own lust, right? So what happened is God is telling us things because he see our heart. And he knows the evil that even though we're saved, we're born again, uh, we're still being saved. And he knows the evil that still lives in our heart. So God speaks to us 
based off what he sees in our heart. And a lot of times we feel like God is telling us no, but God is really protecting us. Why? Because he knows that what's in our heart, if it's teamed up with the thing that we desire to do, then there are going to be some things that shouldn't come to pass. Why? Because he sees what's in our heart. That's why he asked you not to mess with Boo. And then you found yourself in the bed with Boo. And then now you you're, you're heartbroken and, and, and you, your soul has been given away to Boo. And part of you is missing and you all torn up and you're crying and drinking wine because you messed with Boo. God already knew that your heart couldn't handle that. He already knew those things, right? And so instead of trusting God, you went with your heart, but your heart will deceive you because it your heart can't be trusted if it's not aligned with God's will. So I got to always understand that the best way to go is to always follow God. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Why do you entertain not forgiving them? Why, 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 do, why do you entertain uh, doing wrong by them? Here, let me help y'all. Why do you entertain laughing at them when something good didn't happen to them? Why do you entertain that? Why do you find it entertaining to see somebody else lose? I don't care what they did to you. I don't care if that is your ex, your mama's ex, your baby's daddy's ex. I don't care. You should never rejoice in somebody else's loss. Why do you entertain that evil? And that's why God has talked to you about forgiveness. You're like, well, Lord God, what do I got? Where do I? Where do I? Where do I? Don't I don't have unforgiveness? Why are you? Why are you entertaining that? Why are you thinking these things? Because a lot of times we think we good, but in your heart, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I'm just talking about my, especially somebody you don't like. Something that's what they get. No, no. I mean, no. I mean, yeah, there's consequences to bad decisions, but why would I rejoice in somebody getting something negative? You know what I'm saying? We have to begin to look at our heart. All right? Why? <coughs> Sorry. Uh, why? Because the heart remembers. All right? And this is what we're in for tonight. The heart remembers. The heart remembers. It reflects and it's meditated. Some of y'all haven't moved on because of the fact that in your heart, you still wish ill on other folks. And because you wish ill on others, you're planting seeds and don't even realize it. And you're blocking things from being manifested in your own life. You need to release some people. You just need to let some people go. You need to just say, you know what, God, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, and I don't know why I, 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 I find it entertaining. Or I don't know why I don't want them to prosper. I don't know why, because that ain't the seed that you want to be sowing, right? Uh, that ain't what you want to be doing. I don't, I, I, God, I don't want to be there. God, I, I declare in Jesus' name, I, I, I release them. I release the hurt. I release the pain. I release the frustration. I release all of that because. I, I want to experience everything that God wants me to experience, but I can't experience that as long as I'm holding uh, ill towards other people. I release that. I release that. I release that person. I release that company. 
I mean, because some of y'all have been, you feel like wrongfully terminated. You might have been wrongfully terminated. But what I will tell you is holding unforgiveness ain't going to help you. I mean, I just released them. Why? Because what happens is when you have corrupt, anything corrupt in your heart, it's going to impact your words. It's going to impact your words. So if I got corruption in my heart, then I'm going to speak corruption out my mouth. And when I speak, when I have corruption in my heart and I have corruption in my mouth, that's what we call a connection. And when there's a connection, then there's manifestation. Okay. That's why some people say I'm wealthy, but they don't ever experience wealth because it's something they have said, but it's not something they have believed in their heart. And so there's no connection. Therefore, there is no manifestation. All right. Let's look at this scripture as we end tonight. It says Psalm 77 verses five through six. It says, I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated. Let me grab that for you. Psalm 77. Uh, I guess I missed it. I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Uh, I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated. My heart meditated. What's your heart meditating on? And, and when I was studying this, the Lord was talking to me about how so many times our upbringing, our, our rearing, our childhood, the words that people have said, are things that our heart has me have meditated on. And that's really the things that cause us to uh, believe the way that we believe. Uh, and, and I always use myself, for example, uh, uh, being, a, being a pleaser growing up. Yeah, so I believed that I, I could earn people's love by work, by achieving something, by doing something. If I did enough, they would like me. Right. And that all came from the premise of my dad not claiming me when I was little and all those issues. And so I began to always try to be an overachiever. And so from that, my heart began to meditate on that. Right. This is what I got to do to earn people's love. And so what happened is it went from one area to so many other areas of my life. And then and so every so I began to filter things and do all these different things based off the belief that was in my heart. And so for a lot of us, our past relationships and our past experiences have created these filters and different things that occur in our lives that cause our heart to meditate on it. And it causes us to see life different from what God desires for us to see. There's nothing you can do to earn the Father's love. You earn the Father's love by receiving it by faith. That's it. God isn't going to love me any more today than he loved me uh, before yesterday. He's not going to love me more because I, I give $5 one uh, year, but now I could give $12 million. I don't, that doesn't earn God's love anymore. God isn't going to love me anymore because I, 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 I'm on a uh, praise team and I greet and I do all those things, right? So I had to allow God to heal that area in my life to understand that I don't got to work for his love, that he loves me simply because he chose to love me. It was his idea to love me. So I received his love by what? By faith. So God, I thank you that I, you love me today 
more than you ever have loved me and you'll love me tomorrow the same, right? But when we're not careful about those things, and let's say we had a bad relationship, let's say we had a parent that we couldn't trust or we had somebody to abuse us, all of those things are things that are in our heart. And if we don't allow God to heal our heart, then what happens is we begin to see the world based off those perspectives. And I want to give you a couple. It's, we're 40, I'm trying to do a better job of keeping this at an hour. So we're 45 minutes in. So let me wrap up here. All right. There are four ways I want to talk about. We're going to get into guarding your heart next week. Uh, because I've talked about all the heart and all these things. And so it would be really messed up for me not to teach you how to guard your heart in order to produce the right words. So we're going to get there, but we're not going to rush it because I want to understand what you, I want you to understand why it's important that you even need to guard your heart. Because sometimes if we just teach things and we don't teach people the importance of why, they just like, well, why am I doing this? Why am I spending time in the word? Why am I spending time going over this over and over and over again? What's the purpose of being repetitively taught? What's the purpose of listening to this scripture and reading on this and asking God for more wisdom and understanding about it? It's all so that you can create in you a new heart because from that new heart comes words out of your mouth that you believe. And when the words that you come out of your mouth and your heart are in alignment and there's connected, then that's where it brings manifestation. So I need to renew my heart and I need to guard my heart so that I can say things and see those things. So, but real quick, as we end, uh, the first one is filtering. So the, the person who filters stuff, this is a person who magnifies all the negative aspects of a situation and filters out all the positive ones. This is what I would call your negative Nancy, right? No matter what happens, <clears throat> no matter what's going on, no matter what the ideal is, you know what, guys, you know, let, let's, let's give all the teachers $500, right? And, and, and all that they can see is where the money going to come from. How are you going to give it to them? You're going to be direct deposit or check. What do other people go? Everything that comes out, they always filter life through a negative aspect of a situation. And they always filter out the positive things. And so those are what we call the negative Nancy's. You get, and, and these are the people, they get everything done on their to-do list. <coughs> And they do great at the meeting, right? They kill the meeting. So they've done great things all day long. They have they have done the meeting well, but as soon as they get home, they talk about, oh man, I messed up. I forgot to do this. This still isn't done. They just can't live in the moment of doing something positive, right? Everything is negative. They, they negate all their progress with something negative. Why? Because they filter out all the positive that they are doing. And so that's what we call the person who heart, they're filtering, they're filtering. The next one is personalizing. So this person always makes everything about them. When something bad happens, you blame yourself. Uh, you know what? For example, let's say all we got a guy group, we good brothers, uh, and it's about seven of us, I believe, in the group, right? And so let, and let's say I was personalizing. We say, you know what? We're going to go to Miami again. We're going to go to Miami and kick it again this summer, right? And then let's say it gets canceled. What personalizing does, it says, you know what? They canceled because of me. They didn't want to go with me. They didn't want to be around me. And so for some of us, uh, for some people, that's what you are. You're a personalizer. You're like, well, you know what? It didn't happen because 
there's something wrong with me. God didn't bless me because I didn't do this right. That you always blame yourself. This didn't happen because I didn't do this, or this didn't happen because I didn't do that. And if you search yourself, most likely in your childhood, you probably was a person that got blamed for a lot of stuff. You was probably a person, uh, and I used to do this. I could I could talk about myself, uh, but I did do a lot of stuff as a kid, and I probably was to be blamed. But uh, sometimes you're just too hard on yourself. And so those are people you, you can't even move forward with Christ because every time you turn around, anytime something not happens, you always blame yourself. I didn't fast enough. I didn't give enough. I, I didn't spend enough time in prayer or they don't love me because I didn't love them well enough. I'm not pretty enough. You personalize everything. That's what's going on in your heart. And this prevents you from moving forward. Uh, the third one is those who catastrophize things. I mean, man, you automatically anticipate the worst. So let's an, an example is up there. You got a wrong coffee in the morning at Starbucks. Therefore, this is a sign that your whole day going to be bad. And so you, you live off that, right? That's That's how you live life. You take these signs that really mean nothing, but you take them to be your truth. God didn't have nothing to do with your coffee. Just because you got bad coffee don't mean your whole day going to be bad. But because that's your mindset, right? That's what you have developed over time. That's how you relate and connect things within your day. You can always stop and make the confession. I declare, I thank you, Lord, that even though my day started off bad, that I declare the rest of my day starts off good. Even though they cut me off in traffic, I will not let that ruin my day. I will still have an amazing day because having an amazing day is a choice that I make. It is not something that's dictated to me. I refuse. I refuse to allow any one thing throughout my day to cause me to be messed up or many things that happen through my day to cause me to be messed up. I have a good day regardless of what happens. Why? Because being happy is a choice. And it is. How do I know being happy is a choice? Because I could give some of y'all $500 and you'll be excited and happy. And I, I mean, that's probably not a good example. Let me do something else. I could give some of y'all a brand new PlayStation uh, 5, I think. That's what's coming out. <clears throat> and uh, you'll be happy. And I can give others a PlayStation 5 and they'll just look at it. Why? It just depends on your personality. It depends on the choice. If you choose to be a gamer, getting a PlayStation makes you happy, right? Because it's a choice you make based off what you believe to be fun and to be true. But if you gave me a PlayStation 5, I'm going to be grateful, but and I'm going to appreciate your gift, right? Uh, I may ask you, where did you get this from? Because in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm about to go get this $500, right? Because at this point, it's my gift. You gave it to me, so I can do whatever I want with it. But I wouldn't necessarily assign just joy and happiness to that. Why? Because I'm not a gamer. And so what you got to understand is a bad cup of coffee, somebody cutting you off, your boss getting on to you. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all personal, I mean, personalized. If somebody corrects you, it ain't necessarily about you. It's about the action. You are separate from the action. Like, man, listen, I mean, that's that was one of the, I, I can talk about me, that was hard for a little while as a pleaser in the past of, of, of separating, of not personalizing. So if Pastor Edwin, Pastor Edwin corrected me on something, I, 
or Pastor Sean correct me on something, or my supervisor corrected me on something back in the day, I'm, I personalized it, right? It was something I blame. Oh man, I'm, I'm not good. No, Pastor Evan may say, hey, those chairs are off. They need to be straightened. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. That doesn't mean that I did necessarily anything wrong. It just simply means the chairs need to be straightened. That's what it means. And so many times we personalize stuff and then personalizing stuff and separating your person from an action, you begin to feel down, you begin to feel depressed, you begin to be uh, to loathe and all these things in their pity party when all they were trying to do is tell you, you great, but that project didn't, didn't, didn't meet expectations. You're a great person. It's the project that didn't meet expectations, right? We got to be able to go through life without personalizing everything. And the last one are those people who polarize. Polarizing people are people who don't see any middle ground. Either it's all good or all bad. It's perfect or it's a total failure, right? And in the king, if you see that in the kingdom, that would terrorize you, right? It, because why? There is no way you can walk by faith and still be a person that polarizes. Why? Because let's say, let's say Abraham polarized. Abraham said, God told Abraham he'll be a father of many nations, right? Abraham was going into Sarah and they didn't have no kid. Abraham was like, screw it. It's all bad. It's a failure. Why? Because it didn't happen the first time. Because people who polarize don't have any middle ground. People who polarize don't have any faith. Why? Because when you have faith, you are able to stand in the midst of opposition, in the midst of adversity. People who are polarizing, like it ain't no middle ground. It ain't no going through. It ain't no. It ain't no. Uh, it ain't no endurance needed. There's no patience. People who polarize don't have patience. Why? Because the first sign that it's not going right, they say quit. They they just done with it. There's no middle ground. And so if Abraham was a person that polarized, we wouldn't talk about. Isaac, we wouldn't talk about Jacob. We wouldn't even talk about Rahab because he would have quit. If Abraham was a person that uh, that was a filtering person, he was just like, man, forget all this. Man, look, we ain't had no baby. Sarah womb dry. Look, I ain't, hey, I'm shooting blanks. That's what it is. I, that's what it is, right? I, I, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work, Jesus. But he saw through the filter, right? He saw through all that. Why? Because he believed God. The Bible says he staggered not at the premises of God through unbelief. It says he believed, <coughs> though not having hope, he hoped against it, right? Why? Because he understood that he couldn't allow filtering. He couldn't allow polarizing. He couldn't allow personalizing. When he went into Rahab and he really did do something bad, right? He really did. He was trying to bring the will of God to pass, right? But that wasn't good. He didn't personalize that and say, you know what, God? I'm just bad and this won't work. He didn't cancel the plan. He kept believing God. And no matter what happened, he did not anticipate the worst. He did not catastrophize catastrophize this, right? Why? Because Abraham just said, you know what? I am going to stick with God. I am not going to allow the things that uh, that I've seen in life to cause my heart to meditate on any of those. No negative self-talk, right? I know I've never done this before, but I'm not concerned about this. This is an opportunity for me to learn something new. 
quit this negative self-talk because if you got that in your heart you're going to treat god the same god said you know what this is a year for you to have a house well i ain't never had a house instead of saying that god i thank you that i'm going to experience something new this year god i look forward to the men the, the benefits of having a house right man god do you know what i know you said i could own a business god but this is too complicated i can't do this instead of saying that god i thank you that the holy spirit will teach me all things that you will give me an opportunity to examine this from a different angle that through this process i'll be able to uh, inherit wisdom and knowledge and understanding and i thank you for a mentor to lead me through this right what happens is we begin to we counsel the will of god because in our heart we have negativity. So out of our mouth comes negativity. And when we believe those things and they connect, then we manifest it, right? And that's the battle that's going on in our hearts, right? That's what's happening in our hearts. Some, I mean, some of you are like, my God, I don't have the resources to start the business. Well, if he asks you to do it, then the resources are all there. And this is what I know. I mean, if you put yourself in a situation, you find ways out, right? You remember that time you wanted to have sex? You remember that time you wanted the ice cream? You remember that time you wanted to get the drugs? You remember that time you wanted to get the club? Necessity was the mother of invention. you like, I know such and such that know such and such that got a car. They can take us to the club tonight. Oh, I remember Johnny. Johnny said that he had a connect that so we let me call Johnny why because when you want something bad enough you do not let the fact that you don't know that you don't have the resources stop you from receiving it but here's the thing you have the resource it's Jesus you have the resource it's Jesus so you don't got to worry about that but all of that negative self-talk all of those things that's in your heart prevent us from receiving God, uh, the God's best. All right. And lastly, we, as we know, the sum total of our, our most dominant thoughts, that's what we live by. Our life is the sum total of our most dominant thoughts. Those things that are in your heart that you have believed to be true are those things that we see in our life. And it's funny, and I'll wrap up with this because we're at 59 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, today, I was thinking about the things that, I, that are dominant in my heart. And, and, and I remember for years I've said this, if I die, I want to be remembered as a great father, a great husband, and a lover of God. And, and it was funny because somebody had inboxed me or something. They inboxed me and sent me a text. Uh, and it was like, dude, you, you're a great dad. Like, you're a great dad. And then April had told me, like, baby, you real good husband. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, you know what? Because in my heart, I have purposed to be those three things. And the Lord said, why don't you wrap in your heart, add a fourth thing to that? Why don't you add that you are a benefactor for the kingdom? And why don't you go after that the way you've gone after those other three things? That's what I need you to do. Because in your heart, you believe that with everything that you are, that you are a good father, that you are a great husband, and that you are a lover of God. You want to be remembered by that, but be remembered for being somebody that gave millions and billions to the kingdom. Be a benefactor for me, Ralph. Add that to it. And I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do that. Why? Because I really live my life based off those three things. 
And I tell, I tell my employers, I tell anybody, and I'm in a job interview. I want you to know. I remember taking a job one time, and it's it it's funny now. Uh, but I, I told the employer, I said, I want you to understand that you are not the priority in my life. I will make you a priority, but you got to understand. And at that point, we were doing a lot of things in ministry. And uh, I said, my family is number one. My ministry is number two. So if we need to go somewhere in church and I need to be there. You got to understand I'm leaving. I'm going. And then my job, I'll make you third or fourth because family and friends come before you. But that doesn't ever mean I'm not going to do my job effectively. And I am not telling you to do that. That is not what I'm doing. But I'm telling you, when you really look at your life and uh, examine your core belief, you really see that you're living by your core beliefs. And so today it was like a slap in the face. He's like, Ralph, make being wealthy a core belief because the kingdom needs money. Make that something people remember you by like they remember the Rockefellers. Make that something people believe, believe remember you by like they were going to remember the Gates and the Bezos and, and, and the Musk. Make that something that people remember you by. So I want to challenge you this week uh, to what are your core beliefs? What are you really believing in your heart about your life? And, 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 and be truthful with yourself. You're going to know what you believe the most in your heart because you find yourself going after it even when nobody else is asking you to. You find yourself going after it even when your subconsciously is not even thinking about it. Those are the things that your core belief. And honestly, for some of us, being broke and poor is a core belief, not because you designed it to be, but because that's the only thing that you saw growing up in life. And so whether you realize it or not, you don't know how to live life having more money than you have month. So you even you even trigger or, or, or traumatize or, or initiate reasons to get rid of money, to live at a level of, of, of zero that you're comfortable with. And I know it sounds crazy, but I was there. That was me. I had savings for a rainy day. So guess what always happened was a rainy day. Because in my heart, my heart was thinking that I'm not comfortable with enough, more than enough. I'm not comfortable being whole and not experiencing sickness. I'm not comfortable having a healthy marriage. I'm not comfortable with having a relationship where there's no drama. Some of y'all don't have, some of y'all wouldn't know what to do in a drama-free relationship. Why? Because it's your core belief to always find mess. You messy in your heart, so you messy in real life. It ain't them, it's you. You messy in your heart. So you messy in real life. You've been messy since fifth grade. And now you're 42 and you're still messy. Why? Because messy is in your heart. So do, do yourself a favor, do the kingdom a favor, do the world a favor. Let us all examine what's really in our heart and give God the opportunity uh, to exchange those things for his love, joy, peace, right? Because who you are, everywhere you go, you find yourself. And so if everywhere you go, you see the same issues, it ain't them, it's you. And when we're real with ourselves, we are able to examine that. And when we examine that, then that's when we're able to have our words connect with our hearts. And when our hearts and our words connect, then that's when we see manifestation. You got to understand that that manifestation is going to occur whether it's good or bad. 
as a creative being. God gave you the creative power. He didn't say that this your power only works if you say what I have said. He says, I have, give, I have made you in my image and I have made you in my likeness. So if I speak negative words that I also believe in my heart, then I will manifest that negative thing. That's why I got to get messy out my heart. That's why I got to get poverty out my heart. That's why I got to get give lack and insufficiency out of my heart. That's why I got to get uh, sickness and, and illness out of my heart. Because if I could get it out of my heart and I can replace it with God has said by meditating on his word and guarding my heart, then my words will begin to change. And then because my words change and they're connected to my heart, I manifest what God has said. Amen. Amen. So that's it. That's the word for the night, guys. So let me go through these announcements real quick. So you guys know that tonight is Wednesday. So uh, it's Bible study. So the next opportunity to join us will be Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. for uh, Champions of Circle. Uh, Circle. And then Sunday morning, we have Pastor Chris and Pastor uh, Elder Valley uh, for Sunday morning worship at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, Sunday, followed by Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean at 9.30. And then on Monday, we have Strategies for Success. Pastor Sean does that on both her personal and her professional page. Uh, her per professional page, Sean Strickland. Uh, and so you can follow her there for that. And then on Tuesday night, uh, we come back for prayer at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, all right, uh, on Tuesday nights. And then you guys know at FOC, we have 100% givers, and we praise God for that because we have 100% giver. FOC is able mm -hmm. to give to every good work and er every charitable donation. There is nothing that we cannot give to. Why? Because we have 100% tithers. And so if you want uh, the way that you give is to givelify, push pay, tithely, text to give, uh, or you can give via PayPal at focchurchnwa@gmail.com. And lastly, if you don't know the Lord is your uh, Lord, if the Lord is not your Lord and your personal Savior, I invite you to come home. Right? We talked about the mouth heart connection. We talked about Romans nine and ten. The Bible says, "If you shall be, uh, confess with your mouth, and if you shall believe in your heart, it says what you shall be saved." Or in other words. If you say out your mouth what you believe with your heart, there will be a connection and there will be manifestation of eternal life with me. And so all you got to say, Lord, I confess with my mouth that, that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead and I am saved. And I thank you, Lord, that you send the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to teach me and empower me to live the way that you have called me to live. I understand that I don't have to do this by myself, but you will send your, your spirit to dwell in my heart, to quicken me, to teach me, to give me wisdom, to walk out the things that you will have me to do. All right. And you that's all you got to do. And you receive that by faith. Right. And so I love you guys. I appreciate all of you guys who maintain the state on here with me. Uh, you guys be blessed. All right. Be blessed. As we live out the last uh, 16 days of this year, make them count, man. Make them count. This is still the year five to one. This is still the year of release. This is still the year for you to have more and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and it shall be unto you according to what you believe. Amen. Remain grateful. All right. Remain grateful for what you have and Remain hungry for the word. You want to see more.
And this is the year for you to see more. All right, be blessed.